Hello, welcome along to the podcast Sport and Life. It's Friday the 30th of October. Going out actually this uh, Friday evening. It's quarter to six now. It's going out for a spot of Italian food while we still can, as they say in the business. Hope you're well. Thank you to the sponsors. Not around, not far from me, around the corner. Bang & Olufsen of Cheltenham and Serene AV, specialists in some of the finest home entertainment brands, providing solutions based around high-quality customer service and installations. Good people, good knowledge. Jason Briggs and his team housed in the courtyard in Montpellier in Cheltenham, but very much accessible via all the modern mediums of communication. Social media, Bang Olufsen of Cheltenham on Twitter, Instagram, of course, the website. They can get the numbers to have a real human conversation, maybe a human visit to offer any bespoke solutions. And through Serene AV, it's not just the wonderful Bang Olufsen equipment that you can have, but all the other brands, names, and whatever suits your needs the best. They're uh, very good at scouring the market for you and offering good advice. Jason Briggs and his team, Bang Olufsen of Cheltenham and Serene AV. And thank you to siteaplan.co.uk. Sat out in the garden today trying to get some vitamin D, even though it's gloomy as anything, overcast here in Cheltenham in the west of England. We're just trying to get that vitamin D through the winter. Interesting, Dr. Randolph Crook said he can steer you through uh, the winter if you load up in the summer. But I think supplementation is obviously a big one in the UK and other parts of the northern hemisphere, particularly if you are tethered to your desk indoors, at home, not even walking to the car, not even walking to the office from the car, whatever it might be in terms of daylight and uh, trying to glean as much UV as actually around beyond or through the cloud uh, at the moment. So supplementation, if you're thinking about it, food-based supplements from cytoplan.co.uk is something that we've been taking as a family, as the Drapers, for 20 years. And if you go to cytoplan.co.uk, C-Y-T-O-P-L-A-N.co.uk, you can get a 10% discount with my code DRAPER10R. That's all capital letters, D-R-A-P-E-R, my last name, the numbers one zero. And then the capital letter R, Draper 10R. Right, the podcast today, it is uh, actually one that I'm thankful for my employer, Sky Sports, allowing me to share with you. Um, a few, well, quite a few of you listened to the interviews with Gegard Mousasi and Douglas Lima, the MMA fighters in Bellator, who contested the middleweight title last night, early hours of this morning in Connecticut in the USA, USA early hours of the morning, our time in the UK. It was uh, the legend Musasi who prevailed against the man coming up from welterweight. This at 185 pounds, which uh, trying to do the maths in my head, I think it's about 13 stone three in British money, uh, something uh, like that anyway. Uh, but Musasi, who is already or was already a five-time champion in mixed martial arts, has another title. And uh, it's Leah McCourt is a subject of this. She's analysing that for a Sky Sports video we did this morning, early this morning, got up early. And then she talked about her career because Leah has a successful burgeoning career in Bellator herself. She has won her last three fights within the organisation. I think she's four and one overall. I think her first ever fight was a loss. So she's definitely on a learning curve. She's a single mum as well, based in Belfast and travels to uh, Dublin to train as well. So she's in the, in the mix of it in Northern Ireland and the Republic of Ireland. She's very much across both parts of the island and interested to get her sight, insight into what's been going on. She's recovering from a shoulder injury as well. We'll talk about that in due course. But first part of this interview is reacting to the Musasi win overnight. Hope you enjoy this. Let me know if you do. Here she is, Leah McCourt. Hello, Leah. Fantastic to speak to you. Really appreciate your time as well as uh, you're on the cusp of another training session and a drive a drive to Dublin. How are you, first and foremost? Yeah, I'm doing good. Um, 
I'm my shoulders healed nicely and I'm back training, which is what I love doing and I'm so happy I can do get stuck into training camp, fight camp. Well, well, that's fantastic. We'll talk a little bit more about the shoulder recovery and your plans for the future in just a second. But your reaction to the, the big match overnight and Gegard Mousasi getting the middleweight title once again with the unanimous decision victory over Douglas Lima. How much did you enjoy the fight as a fighter yourself in terms of the, the tactical intrigue there? Yeah, you know, I always w love watching Musasi's fights. He's one of my favourite fighters. And he's such a uh, high fight IQ. He was dominant from the start. He came out and so we got Lima down and, and kind of imposed his will from the very start. And, you know, he was Lima was beaten to the drum of um, Musasi throughout, you know, the fight. He was... Musassi was walking him down. He was uh, controlling the range, long range, short range, every every kind of range he was controlling. And Lima just couldn't get into his flow. He was landing maybe one 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 strike, two strikes. He was landing some nice heavy leg kicks, but just didn't really pull the trigger throughout the fight. And um, Musassi, it was a nice performance from Musassi. Yeah, how important was that first round? We know it's only one round of five, but just in terms of establishing a momentum and perhaps putting Lima mentally on the back foot. Yeah, exactly. You know, it's a big, it's a mental game fighting. And if you, <clears throat> I think from, from that first takedown, Lima was, was wary how dominant Musasi was on the ground. Lima was wary about coming forward too much, putting too much pressure on, because he didn't want to end up on his, on his back and be dominated on the ground like he was in that first round. And especially when you're in there and you can, you, you've been through that the first round, it's easy to say, why are they not, uh, why is he not going forward? Why is he not throwing more strikes? But you don't want to be on the bottom of Musasi, you know, him landing those big heavy strikes and his pressure so good. Yeah, it is so good. And Douglas had some success, didn't he, with the kicks to to um, Musasi's front leg and, to, and, and Musasi changed his stance on the back of that a couple of times. People were saying in commentary, maybe he should have pushed forward at that stage. But what is the balance like when you're in there, when you're concerned about being taken down in terms of throwing bombs? Yeah, you know, it's it's such a massive part of the game whenever you don't want to be taken down. And you're, you know, if you're fighting a grappler or someone who's more dominant um, in grappling, you know, it's soul destroying if, if you're on your back and you're, you're trying to fight to get up and you're trying to... Uh, you know, trying to not get taken down and it really does mentally play in people's heads. They're like, I can't unload, I can't go forward, I can't be as uh, aggressive as I want to because that you know it's gonna be it's not gonna be nice being on, on, on bottom. Mm. Yeah, what what about Gegard Mousasi's rhythm and his, his pace? Because so many people say he just seems like he's going for a walk in the park, doesn't he, when he's in there. It's how how significant is that his ability to stay relaxed and not waste energy in there? Exactly. Do you know he's so confident, so relaxed, so calm. He's such a veteran, and you can tell in his performance, even against uh, Lovato Jr. as well. He was just, you know, it's it's his pace. He doesn't get too flustered. He doesn't get overwhelmed, and that is massive for thinking clearly. So he can think clearly. He can read shots coming. He can close the distance. He can keep the, the the distance long if he wants to, and not getting tired as well. So if he's going, he knew he was fighting a five round fight. So he, you, know, it's very very smart of him to go in and fight the way he did and fight. Um, tactically and again his fight IQ is so high you can tell that in every every fight that he has or every round in the fight. Mm. How do you feel about his legacy because he doesn't trash talk he was very respectful about Douglas Lima coming into this he's he's very chilled out when you interview him do you feel that perhaps because he doesn't make a big noise that we, we underestimate his legacy five-time world champion he's got another title now again? It's, what he's achieved in MMA is is insane and He's so, he's so relaxed, his character outside the cage is nearly what it's like inside. He's just so cool, so calm, doesn't say too much. He's really, I think he's a really interesting character and 
you know, he doesn't make as much noise as other fighters, younger fighters. You know, he's he's an older from the older generation of fighters, and he's do very respectful to his opponents, and and he's a class act. Yeah, he certainly is. What about Douglas Lima? How do you see him rebuilding? He is the welterweight champion. Did you feel that the weight was a big issue for him that he'll he'll drop back down, or could you see him tackling another middleweight in the future? Yeah, no, I definitely don't think. I didn't think it was the, the weight that was an issue. It was more, um, you know, Musashi came out and, and dominated and put him on the back foot from the first round. It was more how he dealt with Musashi's pressure and the, and the threat of a takedown. I think he'll go back to the drawing board. He's a phenomenal fighter. He's, you know, such a dangerous striker and such a great champion. I think he'll go back and, and learn from this fight. Like like any kind of, um, you know, loss, he's, he'll come back stronger. Yeah, just the eighth defeat of his career. With Musashi, do you think motivation is the key really for him because he's uh, 47th all-time victory in fights. Do you think it's about him trying to stay stay focused, stay upbeat? 100%. I think he needs to feel a challenge, feel the threat of a challenge, feel the, that you know, his next fight's going to be a, a, a tough fight to really motivate him and get him excited and, and to come back in and put on a performance. You know, I know there's been retirement talks, so it's going to be interesting to see what he does from here, where he wants to go. If he's going to stay in to the middleweight or, or go up. It's just going to be... Um, I wouldn't like to see him retire. I'd like to see him have a few more fights, but it'll be interesting to see what he wants to do. Yeah, he goes into the cage at around, we think, 204, 205. So it's 20 pounds heavier than middleweight. But that's around, of course, the light heavyweight limit. Scott Coker wants him to move up. Do you think... He's, he's big enough to do that naturally because he'd have to put on presumably weight to get into the, the cage. Yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know. He's, he's, he's not a massive, I don't think, middleweight. It'd be interesting to see how he deals with the, the bigger guys, more power, maybe more pressure, maybe people you know, uh, coming back and putting um, heavy strikes on him and putting him on the back foot. It'd be interesting. To, yeah, I would like to see that. I would like to see him go up and, and have a, more of a challenge in the, in the um, heavier division. Yeah, I mean, they talked about maybe Ryan Bader, the former champion, or Vadim Nemkov, <laughs> the champion at light heavy. Presumably, the difference is, is a lot more significant when, you, when you're being hit by the heavier guys. Yeah, totally. And, and they are dangerous, dangerous fighters in those two fights. And Musashi would be, would be really exciting. Um, great fights to see, great fights for the fans. But again, it'll be interesting to see if, if Musashi, is, is that, that what he wants to do? Does he want to go up? Does he want to have a, a tougher challenge and again the weight yeah because those guys have been going in a lot heavier than two or five into the cage yeah we see it in boxing don't we sky sports we cover a lot of boxing that people move through the weights but typically particularly in the lower weights there's a smaller gap in mma it's it's a bigger di di uh, decision to make isn't it because often you're talking about 10 15 20 pounds differences yeah like you know boxing it's like a couple of pounds difference but there's it's massive weight jumps in, in in mma and it's the same for females there's only like two or three divisions and the guys, there's, there's massive um, jumps in between. So they do have to look at their training, their strength and conditioning, what they're eating, their cardio, <clears throat> everything, whenever they're making that decision to go up a, up a weight class or down a weight class. Well, we look forward to seeing what happens to Gegard Mousasi and Douglas Lima, both with bright futures, no doubt, as you do as well, Leah. You're mm -hmm. telling us at the top that that shoulder injury is recovering. How difficult has the, the pandemic been, the situation with the injury as well? Yeah, do you know, like obviously after my fight in February, I was we were meant to fight in May in Wembley, and it was up until like maybe six weeks before that we we all thought we were that car was going to go ahead, and it was cancelled. Then obviously we were all locked down. I I uh, discovered in July I needed shoulder surgery. It was having really bad. To be honest, I had a tear in my shoulder since mm. before my first Bellator fight, and I was training through it and kept. Um, 
do kind of put up with it and then it was getting really bad I couldn't lift weights and I, I when I went for the scan I didn't actually think that it was actually that bad but they said no listen it's really bad that you know the, my surgeon said my shoulder was like that or somebody twice my age and he's like if you don't get this fixed now I'll just it'll just keep dislocating so I had my surgery in July and I've had a few different surgeries and injuries and this has been that was the worst like I didn't sleep for four weeks with the pain I was doing morphine tablets everything and I just couldn't sleep I've never felt pain like it mm. in my life and uh, it's been hard and it's been extremely painful but I'm about 14 weeks post-surgery now and back striking back grappling back drilling building up my strength in it again and um trying to get fit <laughs> so yeah. I'm excited to be really motivated and really excited for my next fight you know I feel like my last couple of performances you know because of I've had injuries like my before my last even fight I had a cracked orbital bone so I feel like I've been operating at five percent five percent of my potential so I'm really excited to go back in and um, <clears throat> show, show my skill my real skill and what I, what I can really do in there yeah and a shoulder is obviously so big in striking and, and, and grappling and everything in terms of um, the dynamics of mixed martial arts how much is it now about the mental confidence to be able to, as you say, throw that with with belief that there's not going to be an issue again? Is it is it getting your mind to accept it? Yeah, a hundred percent. It's going to be you know, even in grappling. I'm a wee bit wary of like posting my shoulder, but do you know, I think a few weeks in, in camp and training and sparring, I'm going to be forced to use that, forced to throw through hard, forced to post on it, forced to get my takedowns and and um and I'll come back quickly. But there definitely is that mental like, oh, I don't want to injure my shoulder again to have to go through all that pain again. Hmm. How have you handled the, the, the mental stress of it that we're, that we're all going through, the uncertainty of the pandemic? You're a mum as well. Has it been challenging for you to sort of manage your energy through this and, and look after everyone and yourself? Yeah, you know, definitely at the start. You know, I just came back from, I was, I fought in February and came back from Dubai. I was in Dubai and then came back and everything was just totally locked down. So I was like, I had the highest of highs, you know, headlining three arena and um, coming back to completely like, being locked in the house and I'm out of the house at like 7am to 11 at night always busy coaching working training looking after Isabella so I found it really really difficult and I really didn't like being locked in the house you know obviously there's benefits with like being with Isabella but my mind I constantly need to be doing something constantly to be working or being busy so it's been extremely tough and you know I was lucky enough to get away with Bellator there we were in Paris and Milan doing the, the European shows and the series it's great mm. to back to some sort of normality yeah um, and for you as well are you still thinking about Janae Harding as a potential opponent down the line is that someone that's on your radar of course that that was cancelled in May because of the pandemic yeah I would love to um love for her to be my next opponent I think she's she's a good step up she's um a talented and she's her record doesn't really show how, how good she actually is I love watching her fight she's a good striker she's nice and clean and I think it'd be a good fight for me next to have um then Bellator know I just say yes to whoever they say, so I don't really care. <laughs> yeah, has it made you appreciate the sport even more? I suppose the situation of COVID nineteen and everything that, that you want you want to seize the day, seize the opportunities that come. Yeah, exactly. You know, opportunities are so few in MMA anyway. So whenever I have them now, and I'm definitely going to appreciate them even more. But I, I am. I always think of how lucky I am to, to be doing what I'm doing. But definitely this situation and you know Bellator being able to come back and put on these shows and, and get us European fighters out there it's definitely um massive and I'm so so excited for my next fight that's fantastic we're excited for it too have you thought uh, with the time off have you been able to reflect on your game and 
and what you look to work on and, and refinements that you'd like to make? Is it giving you that space to, to perhaps consider everything and, and what you've done and what where you want to go? Yeah, totally. Like that, that's a big part of what I do anyway. I'm, I'm constantly reflecting, constantly looking at my game, constantly looking at where I need to re- improve. But before I've kind of begun to like fight camp to fight camp to fight, just kind of everything's been so fast. And so, you know, I always jump before I can fly. If that's, I always like jump <laughs> in the deep ends and then after like quickly like catch up. So it's given me time now to think about what, where I want to improve and put that kind of protocol in place and you know, I've got a bit of time before my next fight, so I'm really looking forward to seeing improvements and, and seeing a better performance when I'm in the cage next. Is there any aspect you can let us in on? Because I suppose it's difficult. You don't want to rewrite the game, do you? But there's just those tweaks. Is there anything that you particularly work on? Is it ground, striking, or just a bit of everything? Um, like, do you know what my coach says? Like, you've only shown 10% of what you can do. You know, definitely when I'm in there committing to um, things more, committing and believing in myself when I actually get in there. Like, I... I've got a high skill set and I can do everything when I'm not, you know, not on maybe the night. I'm not showing how I can put, put, put my game together, my strike and my takedowns, just making everything a lot cleaner. And we really committing to striking, committing to the shots. Mm, that's fantastic. And do you feel you'll be ready what, New Year with potentially or, or whatever that call comes from Scott Coker? Yeah, just uh, yeah, around that time, I've been chatting to Bellator, we've kind of um, have a date in mind and uh it gives me good time to prepare to get to get better to get back to full health i didn't want to rush it you know and, and come back and maybe re-injure my shoulder or not be the best version of myself like the whole point of getting my shoulder surgery was to come back and um be a different animal so i think that's that's what's going to happen with the date we have in mind i know fighters always focus on, on what's coming first but long term do you think you're in the you're in the same division obviously as chris cyborg is, is that potentially a long-term dream to to challenge her maybe one of the legends of the sport yeah, of course, you know, Chris, is, it's just, it's surreal. She's the champion of my division, but I feel like, you know, it's, it's inevitable that I'm going to be a professional world champion and it's going to be in Bellator. And I don't know if she's going to be, when my time comes to have that fight, if it's going to be her or who it's going to be. But to really look at people, it's more about the title and more about um, being a world champion. You know, I was an amateur world champion and I believe I'm going to be a professional world champion. That's fantastic. That'll be a fantastic match down the line. She's been talking about potentially a crossover match in boxing. Katie Taylor's been mentioned. Of course, you're, you're based in Belfast. You, you fight in Dublin and Katie's a huge hero on the island. What do you make of that potential matchup? There is a slight size difference, isn't there, between the two? I think there's a big size difference. Yeah. I think Cyborg's a good bit bigger than Katie. I don't know if they yeah. would ever be the same weight class. But Cyborg is, um, she's, she's achieved so much in, in MMA and uh, jiu-jitsu and, and it'd be great to see her take on the boxing field as well you know she's a true professional she's always always training always in shape always looking for a big challenge and I think that would be a great it'd be so exciting for female um martial arts I just don't know how realistic that would be to happen mm. <laughs> or what Katie yeah. thinks about that I, I, I don't think she, I don't think she'd ever take a rematch Scott Coker was teasing that there needed to be a kind of double header one in a boxing ring and one in the cage you, oh, you yeah. couldn't potentially see that Katie going in there wouldn't be wouldn't be the wisest move would it no I definitely don't think so <laughs> no um, would it be big though over there do you get the sense with obviously Kate, it's hard for us to get a sense but the Olympics I remember the following for Katie is is incredible isn't it do you think that would be a, a huge event in Ireland Oh my goodness, it would be like Katie Taylor is such a special person. She's so genuine, so authentic, and everybody really loves her. And 
you know, she's a true, true martial artist. She's not, a, she's not the new era of like, you know, social media star. She's a real mm. unbelievable athlete and unbelievable, um, you're one of the best boxers ever, male or female. And I think, do you know, if, if Cyborg, it would be great for MMA if that fight did happen. You know, Cyborg obviously um, is such a great pioneer for MMA and to see Katie and her fight, it would bring a lot of promotion to the standard and the level of, of the MMA athletes as well. Yeah, so we'd be massive in Ireland. <laughs> Yeah, it would be great. We, we, that down the line, maybe I know Katie's got a fight against Miriam Gutierrez in, in boxing to come up. So that's long term. But Leah, fantastic to speak to you. Really appreciate it. I know you've now got to drive to Dublin and train. So we'll let you go. But the best of luck in your training. And we hope to see you soon and, and speak to you soon ahead of your comeback fight. Great. Thank you. Thanks so much. Fascinating discussion there with Leah McCourt. Wish her the best of luck in recovering from that shoulder injury. And we'll try and get her on the podcast for a bespoke, longer-term conversation at some point. A really powerful story. Similar, in some senses, superficially at least, to Heather Hardy, who I spoke to for Sky Sports and shared on the podcast as well, who was a world champion boxer, also competes in MMA, almost alternates now, and is a single mum as well. And that's been a huge motivation, I know, for Leah to, to fight for, for her child, Isabella, as she said there. And that's complex time, as she was saying there, in terms of uh, the time being spent with Isabella is increased through the pandemic, but all the anxieties and the lack of activity for someone who's obviously very active daily, driving from Belfast to Dublin to train and putting in the hours. And I wish her all the best in terms of securing that next fight, fight date, because as we know, very much freelancers in the combat world of sports, boxers and MMA artists may have sponsors and support that sense, but it's very much those purses that they need to survive uh, financially. And uh, we all know about the anxiety of a finances, don't mean jobs at the moment. So I wish her all the best and hope to speak to her again in the future. Really good insight as well into Gegard Mousasi. The analysis was spot on and his, his kind of laconic, laid back attitude in the cage is phenomenal. But then it was his 47th win last night, something like his 55th martial arts, 56th, 57th martial arts competitive professional fight so he's got tremendous amount of experience the man who's Irani based in Amsterdam in the Netherlands and a really languid but really intelligent and respectful guy and a great campaigner so let me know if you uh, enjoyed that so thank you to Bang Olufsen of Cheltenham and Serene AV specialists in some of the finest home entertainment brands providing solutions based around high quality customer service and installations their support has been huge very much appreciate that in terms of just getting a little few coppers and, and just having that knowledge that someone believes in the product is great. allows me to devote more time to the podcast and let me know if you enjoy these ones I borrow from my day job at Sky Sports, the Sky Sports YouTube page, Ed Draper 81 on Twitter, Ed underscore Draper 81 on Instagram, Teddy Draper, I'm sort of known on there as well. It's kind of uh, been a conflict for me. I was always Teddy Draper growing up and then someone called me Teddy Bear and I got scared at school and changed it to Ed, but most people know me as Ed as uh, at work now. <laughs> This is ridiculous. Anyway, I shouldn't uh, delve into too much of that. But thank you for listening. I do appreciate it. If you could rate it on iTunes, would be very much appreciated as well, or whichever platform you're listening to, because this is housed on Anchor, which is a wonderful podcast app if you want to try and use that to start a podcast. Really simple. And it goes out to 12 platforms, I believe, including iTunes and Spotify. So wherever you can rate it, fantastic. I'll speak to you again soon. Have a great weekend. Off for a bite of Italian food tonight. As I say, enjoying it all while the rumors of, of lockdown lurk in the background once again i hope you're well i hope the anxiety over health and everything's okay this sort of lack of control as well autonomy not really used to this restriction in our freedom albeit it, it, the government will say for a greater good and i'm not disputing that but it is a, an anxious time in terms of not having that self-control self-automation thank you guys appreciate your time goodbye for now <laughs>